Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schallenberger. I'm your host, Jamie, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. Each episode is a mini training where you'll learn how to achieve extraordinary success. Steve is a number one national best-selling author. He successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for large and small organizations around the world, executive coach, father of six, and founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and I am so excited for the guest that we have on our show today, and she's helping people across the world to live a simpler, more balanced life. Welcome, Courtney Carver. Hi, Steve. Thank you. Well, this is going to be fun, folks, and I'd like to give a little introduction uh, before we jump right into this interview that our listeners know uh, about becoming your best and that uh, the 12 principles of highly successful leaders and that this is built on 40 years of research of leaders that have sustained excellence, high achievers. And what I found in that research is that the I, I interviewed hundreds of people is that they weren't really perfect, but they were among the very best at what they did uh, across the world. But the one thing I did observe is that there were 12 principles of leadership always present. And so these are things that we can learn, uh, just like playing a sport or baseball as we practice, we can get better. Well, part of those have to do with creating excellence in leadership of teams, organizations, our own life. Another part has to do with creating outstanding uh, relationships. How do we create a culture that creates excellence? Well, the last part has to do with uh, becoming your best type living. And, and they set their part, their, their selves apart from others. Well, that is where Courtney Carver comes in. And this is why I'm so excited to have her is one of those principles that I've seen over and over and over again is that highly successful leaders figure out how to live in peace and balance. Uh, and so that they could sustain their performance over a long period of time, they can enjoy the journey. So uh, it's going to be interesting because Courtney has some really great ideas about this. And for our listeners, uh, did you know that over half of Americans are living beyond their means and that 78% live paycheck to paycheck and 90% purchase things they can't afford? So to what end? We've all heard the old adage that you can't buy happiness. So why do we have or feel we need so much stuff? Well, Courtney has a wonderful book coming up called Soulful Simplicity, uh, how living with less can lead to so much more. So I can't wait about this. We're going to talk about it on the show today, Courtney. Uh, I guess it's, is it coming out a little later this year? It is. December 26th is the publication date. Okay. Well, uh, that will be fun. I'm excited to get that. Uh, 
Courtney is, is the creator of BeMoreWithLess.com and something called the Project 333. Uh, it's a challenge, and we'll have probably the chance to talk about that. But it really shows us how to pare down not only our closets, but our mental and emotional spaces. Uh, she has all kinds of tips of how to live life better. Uh, it's uh, interesting because uh, Courtney outlines how to cut out the clutter, uh, dig out of the debt, and make the space and time for ourselves and loved ones. Uh, it's interesting also along the way Courtney uh, has a personal story to talk about, and I hope that she'll bring this up that has to do with MS and, and the factors that contributed to it. So uh, with that very brief background, uh, before we get started, I'd like to uh, have Courtney just tell us a little about herself, uh, especially uh, what was your life like growing up, what experiences helped you to see that you could be successful, and we'd love to hear about this perspective. Wow, well, that could take a long time going way back, but I'll try to keep that short in that um, I had a great childhood. I uh, grew up on the East Coast and with my mom and dad and sister. And I think watching my dad start his own business at a pretty young age, me being at a pretty young age, really inspired me or kind of sparked that entrepreneurial spirit. It didn't come up until much later, but I knew when I began to start my own business that that was what kind of gave me the the okay to deal with a little bit of uncertainty. And uh, we did a lot of uh, fun things growing up, traveling and uh, did some hiking in New England and just everything seemed pretty pretty normal to me. I know that's a, a hard word to bring up, but that's just how it felt <laughs> growing up. And it, as soon as I kind of got out on my own and started school, I immediately went into debt. And when you were talking earlier about uh, those statistics about, you know, half of all Americans living beyond their means, uh, a certain percentage buying things that they can't afford, that I fell into all of those statistics. And once I got so deep into debt, it seemed like every decision I made after that was in response to the debt. You know, I have to make more money to pay the debt. I have to work harder. It was always, at least it felt like it, always about the money. How am I going to make ends meet? Well, it definitely is the elephant in the room, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. I mean, in terms of living beyond our means, I think it's probably more than half. If that was, I can't remember what you said, but I think you said half of all Americans. And I, I think it's probably more than that. Um, we just get so comfortable once we've extended ourselves, or at least for me, you know, once I'd gone sort of past the point of, you know, having hundreds of dollars of debt and I had thousands of dollars, I thought, oh, well, like nothing terrible is happening to me. So I may as well just keep going, you know, keep making ends meet, keep overspending because I'm working so hard. So I deserve nice things. Uh, it was kind of this vicious circle that I am so glad I finally 
uh, broke free of. Wow. So how did you break free of it? Well, what we did uh, in terms of our debt is we followed the Dave Ramsey plan. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Dave Ramsey is a uh, radio host, author, and kind of a financial um, expert slash guru. I don't like that term, but if I had to use it, it would be for someone like him uh, who who teaches you how to uh, not only pay off debt, but live within your means and in a very practical way. So it's not like a get rich quick. It didn't feel schemy or scammy to me. And the thing that I like the best about it is that it wasn't about the math and like gaming the system. It was about um, practical ideas. And I really needed that because if he had made it all about the numbers, I would have been lost. I'm not strong in math or numbers clearly um, by my the way my bank balance used to be. <laughs> uh, so it was really nice to have a, an easy to approach plan and to be hearing stories of lots of other people who had gone through a similar path and hear their success stories. That's always very motivational to me because I think if they can do it, I can do it. Well, that's a great story. Congratulations. And Dave Ramsey is amazing. He's inspired so many people and just the philosophy, the common sense philosophy of how to not spend more than you make. And, and it sounds like you've applied some of those principles in other areas of life. I definitely have. Uh, in fact, debt wasn't the first place I simplified my life. I started by simplifying uh, my diet. And I'll back up just for a minute and share why I decided to do all this because I didn't just wake up one morning and think, oh, things have got to change. I wish I had been that enlightened, but yeah. I needed a strong wake up call to change my ways. And I got it. In 2006, after months of really feeling terrible and having a lot of weird symptoms like vertigo and fatigue, um, tingling in my hands and my face, I had went to see my doctor who referred me to a neurologist. And after months of uh, tests, neurological exams, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And while I had experienced uh, symptoms I, I, I'm just going to say kind, something oh, here. Sorry. You, you cut off for a second, and, uh, and and it cut out that you had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Is that right? I was. In 2006, I got that diagnosis, yeah. and it was my big wake-up call because I had felt bad before. I had felt run down, stressed out, exhausted, but I just thought, I'm busy, I'm you know, I'm a hardworking person. I need to keep going, keep going, keep going. And I ignored my body telling me it was time to slow down a little bit and take care of things. Mm -hmm. And so with the MS diagnosis, I did take the message very clearly and decided to slow down and uh, started looking at all the stress in my life and how I could eliminate as much of it as possible. And so I looked at my diet and made some changes there. I uh, eliminated the, the stuff and clutter in our home that was 
always seeming to be a reminder of my debt and discontent. You know, I was buying things because I thought it made me happy when in fact that happiness was very short lived. Um, you know, as soon as the credit card bill would roll in, I wasn't so happy anymore. Right. And then we started looking as a family at our, our debt and even our home, the size of our home, uh, my work, like everything changed over the course of several years. It wasn't an overnight transformation and that was very intentional. Um, prior to that, you know, any changes I made in my life had to be all or nothing fast and furious and they never stuck. So I thought this time they're going to be slow and steady one at a time, get you used to the new normal and then make another change. So was the MS kind of the catalyst that caused you to step back and just really rethink life and the direction you wanted to take? It definitely was. And when that happened, I didn't know or even intend to make all of these changes, but I knew that I wanted to live well with MS. That was my primary focus. I wanted to find out how I could be healthy with MS. And my research all pointed to reducing or eliminating stress. So for my own sake and for my family, you know, for my husband and my daughter, I wanted to be the best version of myself that I could be. And I wasn't sure what that was going to look like after the MS diagnosis. So some changes had to be made. Well, that's amazing, really. And uh, first of all, congratulations for figuring out how to try to get your life back on track and how to adapt and, and do some really wonderful things in the process that are blessing other people. It's been an incredible journey for me uh, to be able to do work that I really enjoy. <laughs> Hold on, well, I'm just going to let these sirens pass by. Well, see, that's a real, that's a sign for our people, those sirens. <laughs> <laughs> And that is yeah, good is, timing. I think it's just because I live in the city, but we could take it as a sign. Yeah, it's a sign. Like, like, how can people have a wake up call in their lives? You know, how can they uh, pause and take stock? This is what becoming your best is all about. You know, it's just it's not about uh, you know trying to be Courtney's best uh, or somebody else's best. It's your best. And sometimes we get caught in this circle, this vicious circle you're talking about. And we don't really step back and assess and saying, what are the things I need to do to get to a better place, to be happier, to be more productive, and, and to be sure I'm doing things that, where I can make a difference. So what's been your thoughts as you've reflected on that, Courtney, of how can somebody do that? How, how do they have this wake-up? How can they have a wake-up in life and get on track? Yeah, I've thought about this quite a bit because... The MS wake-up call was not my first wake-up call, hmm. but it was the first one I answered. Uh. And I think what happens is that we get so caught up in keeping up and just trying to hold it all together that we don't think we have time to answer our wake-up calls. And so our wake-up calls don't have to be this big, devastating diagnosis. You know, it could be something that our, our child says to us. Or it could be just this, 
like feeling that we have inside, or it could be a chronic headache that we can't seem to shake, uh, lack of sleep. There are so many things. And I think that we experience them on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I still am delivered wake-up calls, especially if I'm, you know, kind of veering off course, working too much, things like that. But because I've decided to pay attention and to answer those calls, I hear them loud and clear now. And I think what we have to do is, even if we don't think we've had a wake-up call or we've dismissed other wake-up calls, we just stop to pay attention to them. So really pay attention to what's going on, not just on the outside, but on the inside so that we may answer the calls. Okay, well, that's great advice. Certainly, as we move along, uh, that's one of the things that can help us to get to a better place is just to listen, to be attentive to our feelings and not brush things off and make it a way of life. Uh, So let's get right into simplifying how do we simplify? Give us some examples of ways that you've done it, that you teach others of how to do it, and what's the impact? And, and I'd love to have our listeners hear about Project 333. I read about it on your blog, and uh, so go for it. All right. Well, let's start with Project 333 because, I mean, simplicity, as you can imagine, is a pretty big umbrella. It can cover a lot of different things. And while I don't think it really matters where you start, I know one powerful place that you can start is in your closet. And for me, I started uh, Project 333, which is a minimalist fashion challenge in 2010, so seven years ago, because even though I was simplifying my life, I wasn't simplifying my closet because it was kind of out of control, to be honest. It was just chaotic. I had so many things in there and I just kept adding. It seemed like the one place where I was always shopping, always adding and never subtracting. So I thought my slow and steady approach to change is not going to work for this particular part of my life. And I created a challenge and I made some rules and wrote about it on my blog. And the rules were and still are, they haven't changed from the very beginning, uh, but you, you pick 33 items, including clothes, accessories, jewelry, and shoes, and those are your items that you're going to wear for three months, and so you take everything else and box it up and hide it. You don't give it away right away because you don't want that fear of, oh my gosh, what if this was a huge mistake, but instead you, you get it out of sight and see what it's like to live with your 33 items. Um, see what it's like to open in the morning. Some space and a sense of calm instead of chaos. Uh, it's amazing how contagious that level of simplicity becomes after you see that the challenge isn't really that challenging. Okay, now hold on just a second here. I, I, when I read your blog and Project 333, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I have 333 t-shirts alone in my closet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I probably had that in shoes. (laughs) So the shoes were a struggle for me in the beginning, um, for sure. I thought, how am I going to pare down to, I think my first time I had four pair of shoes for the three months and I thought this is never going to work. 
but sure enough, it did. And I know that. Sorry. Was it hard? Here's the funny thing. It wasn't hard. The hard part was thinking about it, uh, thinking about what might happen, worried that people might notice, um, you know, all those fears come up in the form of excuses. But once we start and take action, the fear dissipates and we realize that the hard part was the thinking about it, not the doing it. Okay. So you start enjoying the fact that your life is simpler. And like you said, there's a greater sense of peace. There's a greater sense of peace for sure. You spend less time in the morning deciding what to wear. You reduce decision fatigue because you're not trying to choose between, you know, all your clothes. You only have a small selection of your favorite things. Uh Um, Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So you're feeling Uh, really good about what you're wearing too. You do. And I think that part's kind of a work in progress. Like you might find out after three months that you need to, there was something in there that you really didn't enjoy or that didn't work. Uh, But with only 33 items, you get very clear on what is or isn't working. Whereas, you know, with our traditional, just stick it in the back of the closet, we never really know what we enjoy wearing. Well, I love this idea and uh, I'm excited. I'm inspired to, I don't know about the 33 items, but I think I can cut way, way back. So uh, I want to thank you just for the idea alone. Sure. And remember, it's only three months. So if 33 seems too challenging um, or completely impossible, there's nothing wrong with picking a different number. Like maybe your number is 55 or 42. Uh Uh, The magic isn't in the number. It's just really setting those parameters and sticking with it to see what happens. So how did, once you had experience with this and you started getting confidence and felt the result, the impact, and it was bringing greater peace and, and happiness and balance, uh, were you able to take this and apply it to other areas of life? I was. I mean, like I mentioned, I had been already simplifying my life and getting rid of some clutter in the house, Mm -hmm. but this really inspired me to go the distance and to, to go back into those spaces like my kitchen and ask questions like, do I really need 10 wooden spoons? Uh, do I need all of these wire whisks? Do I need two sets of measuring cups? You know, things that we just accumulate almost by default that we never question, uh, those things build up and turn into clutter. So we were able to downsize and, and get rid of probably close to 90% of our stuff. Um, we had empty rooms in our house, uh, by the time we were all done with it and finally decided to sell our house and downsize into a, a small apartment. Wow. Wow. That is transformational, isn't it? It sure is. I mean, the freedom and, and I guess, lightness that comes with that uh, has been extraordinary. And I'm not saying it's for everyone, but it's definitely worked for well, And for you're us. getting out of debt as well. So Correct. And not only getting out of debt, but, you know, realizing that all of that time I spent trying to make ends meet all I really needed to do was have fewer ends, you know, not be spending as much, not have as many credit cards, not overextending in every possible way. Uh, I, I can't imagine I've never done a tally, but over the past seven years in 
being so mindful, especially about my closet, I, I can't imagine the amount of money that I've saved. Oh yeah. That's amazing. And, uh, what, what's your experience, uh, been Courtney in terms of, uh, you really have to have a spouse or a partner that's on board with this. Uh, so how do you bring the subject up with them and help them get on board so that they can share this vision? What's been your experience there? My experience has been that you can't really get other people on board. Um, Rob Bell, who is an author and pastor and podcaster and speaker, he has a great uh, saying that I just love. He says, uh, you can't bring people where they don't want to go. And I have found that to be true um, in just, you know, looking at all types of different scenarios and thinking about change in my own life. You know, if somebody suggests a change to me, I'll consider it, but I have to be ready for it. Uh, and it, I, I just have to be inspired and motivated and ready to go. And I'm not going to do it wholeheartedly just because somebody else mentioned it. Um, and that's the same with this. So instead of trying to convince people, instead of trying to get people on board, walk the walk, inspire by your own actions and, and demonstrate the benefits, talk about the benefits instead of the, the chores for, for instance. So an example would be if, uh, you want to declutter your home and less stuff to experience more peace and freedom, you know, talking to your spouse about how, you know, spending the whole week is not very inspiring <laughs> or talking about how, you know, what donation centers to go to and how we're going to do this, you know, talking about the, the hows, that's not inspiring. Talking about the why is I think more inspiring. So talking about why this might be good for the family or for a relationship or what will happen on the other side of this, you know, talking about and entertaining the ideas that, that could come from this. Like, you know, if we were debt free, how would we live differently? Having those kind of gentle conversations, I think is so much powerful than the, the nagging and the pushing and the convincing. Okay. That's a great response. And in addition, just quietly going to work yourself on positive, good things. 100%. You have to start with yourself. You have to start with yourself. It's the only way, A, that you can be enthusiastic about what, what you like everyone else to be inspired for. Uh, and, and B, because I think people believe in your actions more than your words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they'll see the result, the impact. Yes. And for instance, like, let's say that, uh, living with less clutter makes you less stressed more and more peaceful. You're probably going to be nicer to the people around you. And mm -hmm. people notice that, uh, they notice your behavior and how you treat them. And if they're noticing a big change, they're going to be wondering, you know, what's she got going on? I want some of. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Now, are you still there, Courtney? I am. Okay, just cut off for a second. All right, she... you're back. Okay. So go ahead. I was just going to say, in case that got cut off, you know, if you, I just think that 
the way you treat people is is very inspiring as well. So if you are living with less and feeling more peaceful, chances are you're going to be nicer to everyone around you. Okay, absolutely. Well, I am always amazed at how quickly time goes when we're at the end of our podcast. Wow, that did go fast. I mean to tell you. So before we sign off here and wrap up our program today, any final advice for our listeners? This has been great. Thank you. I think the the my best advice would be to start small. It's it's so much easier to approach change when you approach it in little uh, bits rather than trying to take on the world. So just start small with one little thing and let that one little change inspire the next change. Okay, good advice. Now, how can our listeners learn more about what what you're doing? Uh, and uh, and when the book comes out, how can they get it? The best way to uh, to stay in touch is probably my website, bemorewithless.com. And the book will be available there as well. And it's available now on all uh, major booksellers. So they could just search Soulful Simplicity and it should come right up. Okay, well, that's great. And as our listeners think about this principle of uh, how to live in peace and balance, we've had some really great ideas that can have a big impact on that today. And so thank you, Courtney Carver, for being part of this uh, show today. I appreciate it. Uh, the opportunity. Thank you. Well, you're doing a great, uh, a great job and touching a lot of lives. And we wish, uh, wish you all the best as you're making a difference in the world. Good going. Well, thanks, Steve. Okay. And to all of our listeners, never forget that you too make a difference every single day in your life. And just as we've been talking about here today, as you just quietly live these principles, you can feel this enormous impact uh, in your life as you are becoming better, as you're uh, more capable in certain areas, and you can feel this kind of light growing within you that causes you to have greater happiness and peace. So it's been fun talking with Courtney about this today. Uh, we thank all of you for listening and joining us. Uh, this is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. Don't forget you can find more great episodes of the podcast at becomingyourbest.com forward slash podcast, along with great show notes, a full transcript of the episode, and all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Please share your comments and questions with us. We want to hear from you. The best way you can show your appreciation for our podcast is to leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. Now it's time for you to take action and truly start becoming your best. Remember, good, better, best. Never let it rest until the good is better and the better is best.